I was dribbling the ball up a court at a varsity high school basketball game. And something happened that I will never forget. I grew up as an athlete, um, played multiple sports, but basketball was my favorite, particularly because basketball was, was the one that I was best at. I actually had offers to play uh, college and, and all that types of stuff. And, and typically at every one of my games, I could literally, if I close my eyes, I could show you where my mom and dad sat in almost every game. They were in this upper right area and you could just count on it, they would be there. And that picture is a pretty good picture of who my parents are. I'm so blessed to have a mom and a dad like I have been able to have growing up. They have been incredible. And if I even could talk about them just for a moment, I, one of the things I would say is that they, they are integrous. Like they just, there's an integrity to them. I gotta tell you, at my age, I, I, I cannot think of one time where my mom or dad did not follow through on what they said they would do. I just, I can't remember one time where that did not happen. And that, that's kind of partly who they are. Like they're very predictable. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I really mean that in a good way. If my, if my mom or dad say they're gonna do something, uh, it's done. Like you don't have to worry about it, it's happening. And if they say they're gonna be somewhere at seven, they'll be there at about 6.45 you know, looking at their clocks, wondering if they're already late. Like, they're just those types of people. And I'm just so grateful for them. And so I say all that to say, uh, because something happened that I, I will never forget. So I'm dribbling the ball. I'm playing point guard in a varsity high school basketball game. And literally, I mean, I, you know, I can smell the smell of overpriced nachos. You know what I'm saying? Just overpriced popcorn as it pops, right? And I can hear the echoes of the whistle blowing, and I can hear the annoyance of the, of the timer, you know what I'm saying, when it goes off and the horn hits and the, the crowd, and just, I can feel, literally, if I close my eyes, I can feel the anticipation in my heart that we're going to get victory today in this game, you know? And so I'm dribbling the ball up the court, and something happens I could not believe. So I'm, I'm dribbling, and so I'm kind of turning the corner, and I notice that there is a guy on like on the court, his face is red, and he's yelling at the ref. All right, he's yelling at him. I'm like, I have a pretty simple like comedic look at life. All right, so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, I don't know what's gonna happen with that one, but that dude's on the court right now, you know. And so, uh, so I, I I'm coming further down the court, and I recognize in my peripheral that my dad is not in his seat. I'm like, hmm. He normally nothing changed. I mean, maybe a hot dog might get him off the seat, but that's about it, you know? So I'm like, that's interesting. I look closer, and to my surprise, Dan Wolf, my dad, Mr. Predictable, Mr. Lover, the whole deal, he is on the court <laughs> yelling at the ref. And I... <laughs> I'm 15, right? So I'm just like, what is happening right now? Dan Wolf does not do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is so out of character. And then I thought later, I'm like, what had to happen in his mind for him to decide to get out of his comfortable position on his little butt cheek? I don't know, whatever, you know? Like, all right, can we be real? And to get up, Okay, so he got up from the bleacher. That's, that's step one. But then he had to like scan the room 
and then proceed to like get between people. Oh, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. So then he finally gets down the bench. All right. So my mom's probably wondering what in the world is happening right now with your father. Then he, he had to have gotten up to the edge of the line knowing he's not supposed to go on the court, right? Like that's bad. You know what I'm saying? And then decide, you know what? Like he had to, he had to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like all these things had to walk through his mind and then find the ref running and start to run with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And I just, I just remember being 15, just thinking to myself, what just happened? Like what caused Dan Wolf to act so out of character? And if you ever raised a boy or a girl that's ever played sports, you totally get it, right? I mean, just something loses. And I want to I keep my dad's name and credibility true here today, all right? I just want to clarify. We talked about it. Um, he wants everybody to know he was not kicked out that day. He let himself out. I just want to be clear. And Dan Wolf is actually in the service, the legend himself. Dad, love you. Love you. He's here. The myth, the legend, Dan Wolf. You know, I want to propose to you, if you would, turn your scripture, turn your scripture, turn your Bibles to the scripture of Luke, chapter 2, verse 15. Luke 2, verse 15. And I want to ask the same question. What just happened? What, what happened? Would you look to your neighbor and say, what just happened? What just happened? <laughs> Now look to the neighbor that you decided to not choose first and tell them what just happened. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 15. I want to give you a little bit of background so we could understand the story and maybe have an awe and wonder at what's happening and maybe see how it might apply to our lives today. Um, we're picking up with the angel. We think it's Gabriel, but he made an announcement to these shepherds that a savior has been born, all right? Pastor Eugene wonderfully addressed that this last week. And if you missed it, I encourage you to listen to it. And he really answered the question, um, why did God come to the shepherds? And what can we learn about that? But today I wanna look at why did the shepherds respond the way they responded? And is there anything that we can learn from it together? So verse 15, we're gonna look at this verse by verse. The Bible says this, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds. Now, in order to realize how out of character the shepherds were, we probably first need to understand a little bit about who they are. Well, let's think about it. This isn't rocket science, right? So these shepherds are, they are, they would be lower class people. They have a dirty job. Typically, the further out from the city you got, the less educated you became, right? We don't live, they don't have Google. They can't just look stuff up. So the way that they would learn would be word of mouth, right? Another thing about shepherds that we have to find interesting is that they uh, didn't choose that job. Today, we happen to be blessed to live in a country where you could be born the son or daughter of a teacher and become a plumber, or you could be born the son and daughter of a plumber and become a firefighter or a or teacher or what, a politician, whatever you want to do. That was not the case back in this day and in this context. So they didn't choose this job. They were handed this job, and it came down generation upon generation. Uh, let's talk about the temperament of what a shepherd might be. 
right? A good shepherd would have a even keel way about them because sheep are skittish, right? So spontaneity would not be a good quality for a shepherd. Like that, that, that would not help them get where they wanted to go. Uh, they would need to lead their sheep and the sheep would need to know their voice. Well, the only way that they could even know their voice is for them to have a caring part to them, to have a, a loving part to them. They're not up and down. They probably are very consistent people, which then uh, makes this all the more interesting. So I read this passage and I want to just lay out some things that were very interesting to me. And it says this, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Everybody say, let's go. I find it interesting right away. This, this throws me off a little bit because it's out of character. It, it, it makes me pause for a moment and just kind of say, what is happening right now? They are not acting the way they're supposed to be acting. Because what I find interesting is that, you know the job description of a shepherd? It's pretty simple. Watch the sheep. Like, you do that. You're going to do pretty good in life in that job. Watch the sheep. Wake up, pee, then wash the sheep. Like, just keep watching the sheep. Eat, but watch them. Don't lose the sheep. You're like, man, I'm, this is gold, man. Gosh, this is so deep, I can't take it. What did you learn in church today? The shepherd watched sheep. He do, yeah. Right, so this is, but what's interesting is the word let's. I, I gotta take a moment. The author here is Luke. He's very meticulous, I mean, he's a doctor. He, he, in my opinion, he would be the most meticulous on getting it right. And he, he emphasizes here that it, it's let's go to Bethlehem. So I got to pause and just say, why wouldn't they delegate somebody to stay back? If, if their only job description is not lose the sheep, why wouldn't they say, hey, listen, Mark, you stay back. We're going to go check it out. Let's get some shifts together while we check out what just happened. No, instead, they all when? Let's go to Bethlehem. Can I just propose to you that this is ignorant? This is foolish. It's unwise. It's irresponsible, their actions. It's out of character. Don't they know that their livelihood is on the line if they lose those sheep? Don't they know they may stop being able to feed their kids if they start losing sheep? They could get fired from their position. That would be a problem. Everybody say problem. And so I got to ask, what would cause these shepherds to put their livelihood on the line? What would cause these shepherds to act like that? Let's keep going. They went to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So I'm already, as I read this passage, I'm, I'm taken back. And then verse 16 just floors me. Verse 16 says, so they hurried. Everybody say, hurried. hurried. So I'm, I'm like, well, that makes sense. Uh, Bethlehem is probably one to two miles away. They obviously, they left the sheep. They're probably in a hurry. They want to get back, right? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then I, I, I did a deep dive study. And this word hurry isn't used all the time. 
In fact, this word hurry is only used three times throughout all of the New Testament. The first time is when in the story when Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. It doesn't just say he came down. He hurried down. In other words, there was something more than just moving. There was a passion to it. If, if I could put it in a different frame, I would say that probably Zacchaeus was so passionate in the moment of what was happening that at once he was on the tree and all of a sudden he was off the tree. He probably doesn't even remember because there was such passion that was driving him at, at the good news of possibility of a Messiah in Jesus. The second time we see it is when Paul, so he hurried to go to Jerusalem. He hurried. There was something inside of Paul. It wasn't like he was just moving quickly. There was this passion. There was this passion to get, to proclaim, to spread the good news of Jesus. We see it thirdly, where Peter talks to the church. And, 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 he, and, he, and he basically, he says, he's talking about our, our passionate expectation for the, re, the, the return of Jesus, our Savior. And so when I, when I understand a little bit more of that hurry, there's more going on here than, than just moving quickly. Something is going on on the inside. Something is leaping out inside of them. There's something that's bigger that's happening. And we've got to ask the question, what just happened for them to be acting this way? So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now imagine Mary, 16, 17 years old. She just had a child. She's probably incredibly exhausted. And here are these from the distance. Remember, there's not, there's not like street lights, all right? Here from the distance, there's these lower class people and from a distance saying, I think that's him. I think we found it. I think we're at the right place. Imagine how terrified she probably was. Now, Scripture wouldn't say that, so I, I, I don't want to, that would be just my own per take on it. But she, she saw them, and they saw them, that he was lying in a manger. So the shepherds come, and they said, when they had seen him, they, then this blew me away, they spread the word. Everybody say word. And it wasn't just any word, it was concerning what had been told to them about this child. So I got to stop again and just say, what is going on here? Do you know that in order for you to spread your confidence in something to someone else, there's a part of your own reputation and credibility that's on the line? Let me explain. If you're here, how many all in the room, you like jazz, like you're a jazz connoisseur. Cool. I want to be. I just don't know what I'm listening to. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... Uh, all right, so I saw Sir, so you're a jazz connoisseur, yes? All right, so imagine with me, if you came to me and you're like, man, Glenn, there's this new album out, you've got to hear it, right? What have you just done? You've put in your own reputation on the line, haven't you? Because my thinking of what you've put in credibility into, I'm going to look at you based off of what I think about that. I'm going to either, if, if I think it's terrible, I'm going to go, wow, he didn't have a clue what he's talking about. Right? Or if I think it's great, I'm going to go, man, he needs to write a blog. I don't know, you know, right? There's that sense. But there's no way that your reputation isn't also on the line. 
Now, what's interesting, I mean, we ought to be honest with the shepherds. I don't want to paint them something that they're not. These are lower class people. In that society, they didn't have much to lose. May we borrow something from those shepherds. I think maybe the reason why we don't spread the word as much is because we think we have too much to lose. Might I propose to you that I don't think you have much to lose? And can I tell you that you can have good faith and credibility in the message of Jesus. It is true. It is right. He is the only way. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is good. And he's, you, you, you can stand on it. It's a firm foundation. We can proclaim that good news. But there's no way that they didn't put their reputation with little what it is on the line. What also I found interesting about this passage is that where did the shepherds get the audacity to think that they had a voice to spread that news? Because shepherds don't spread news. We leave that to the educated. We leave that to the upper class. We leave that to the people. We leave that to the leaders. I just need to stay in my own cultural barrier and let the, how about, uh, it's interesting to me that they didn't come and say, and so we presented this to the leaders and then let them spread the news. No, instead, they spread it right where they were. And I want to propose to you that if God can use some shepherds, can I get a good amen? If God can use shepherds, he can also use you. And I also want to remind you today that the gospel does not see social classes. The gospel does not see social barriers. God does not look down on us and label us by Republican or Democrat, upper, upper class, middle class, suburb, whatever, the, whatever it is. God sees you exactly where you are as a human being that is in need of a savior. And so these guys, they went for it. They just spread the news. No holds bar. What would cause someone to do Something like that. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love the tension. You have shepherds that are proclaiming and you have Mary that is pondering. Let me say it again. You have shep the same good news came to both. You have shepherds proclaiming the good news you have Mary pondering the good news. And God seems to be blessing both. Don't underestimate the power of your proclamation. But also, don't underestimate the power of your ponder. I grew up, uh, I've been serving at our church for over a decade, and I've had the opportunity to, to be in youth ministry at our church for a decade. And so I would be in charge of our students and discipleship. And one of the things we would do is we would have a youth service. And so I always wanted it to be passionate. And I, I we, you know, we just feel like at our church, we want church to be enjoyed, not endured. Can I get a good amen? I mean, you're right. I mean, like that's, it, we want it to be enjoyed, right? So part of that is, I mean, just, I don't want any dead silence on stage. Transitions are important, all that stuff. And I remember God spoke to me when I was very young at our church and I saw this young man that was in the sixth or seventh row, and he was kneeling at a chair, just like maybe what you're sitting in today. And, I, and my, my first reaction, I got to be honest with you, my first reaction was, wow, this kid's just not getting it. Everybody up here is jumping, and they're, they're really getting it. But this kid, he's just missing it. Well, I'm going to go have a talk with him. 
And so I walk back there, and as I get closer, I, I'm, maybe I'm here in prayer, maybe I'm here in some, I don't hear nothing. And so I'm about to tap him on his shoulder, and all of a sudden I look over, and I see a tear coming down his cheek and hitting the cloth of that seat as he sat in that sixth row. And I just, it was like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, son, people can respond to me in multiple, multiple, multiple ways. Don't, and imagine if I would have come up to him and said, what are you doing, man? You want to respond to God? It better be up here. And that young man taught me something more than he'll ever know. That there's a beauty in the ponder and there's a beauty in the proclamation. And as we're in a season of, of our Christmas season, as we're walking through the liturgy of this season, I encourage you today. I pray that there's a moment of proclamation. I, I encourage you, invite everyone you know to our Christmas Eve services next week, next, next weekend. They're going to be amazing. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it. So let's proclaim. But at the same point, let's also have moments of ponder. It's important to our lives. Then verse uh, 20, let's go to verse 20. It says, the shepherds returned, but they returned differently. I love this because nothing on the external changed. They didn't come back and go, guess what? I got a job promotion. I was a shepherd, but I ain't a shepherd anymore. Suckers. I don't know. Like, yeah, like, like okay. You know. And so, uh, no. They, so let me be clear. Nothing changed on the outside of them. <laughs> but everything changed on the inside of them. Everything changed. And if God has gripped a, heart, a hold of your heart at some point in your life, you know what I'm talking about. And they came back and they were glorifying and praising God. Wow. So then I've got to ask the question, what would cause a man to for a moment... Stop adoring himself. What would cause a person to just for a moment stop seeking the adoration of everyone around him? We are so consumed outside of Christ with ourselves. I think one of the greatest things that the gospel provides for us is a way out from our own captivity. To live for something that's bigger than ourselves. Because we are so quick. I even saw it with our little ones, right? They want to be on the screen. Put me on the screen, coach. Put me in the game. I've got to have the fans. I've got to have the people. I've got to have my wife liking me. I've got to be respected at the work. I've got to get adored. And I want to tell you that there's a way out from that. So what caused this man and these men to say, you know what? I'm not going to bring any more adoration to myself, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to give glory and praise to God for what I've heard and what I've seen. Come on, if you can give God a good amen for that. So... So as we conclude, I just got to bring all this back together and just ask some questions. What just happened? What caused these shepherds to act so out of character? What would cause them to leave it all behind? What would cause them to put their livelihood on the line? 
What would cause them to spread the news? What would cause them to put their reputation out there? What would cause them to hurry, get outside of character? And lastly, what would cause them to stop for a moment adoring themselves and start to put their adoration on something that's bigger than them? Can I tell you what it is? It's the message of Jesus. And can I tell you why they did it? Because it's that good. This is why we're fanatical today. Because we have a God that's worth being fanatical about. He's that good. He's that good. The message is that good. Man, I just felt in my spirit today. I just, I, I said this in second service, and I just want to say it again. Somebody's going to get their passion back today. I think some of us have forgotten how good the love and grace of God is. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget that we deserve hell. Don't forget that you should have been in captivity to your mind. Don't forget how he saved you. Don't forget how he's blessing you, how he filled you with his spirit, how he provided for you when there seemed to be no other way. He is good. He's good. He's good. I think Isaiah just had a moment, if I could preach for a second. He said, for unto us is a child that's been born, but it ain't just any child, church. It says, unto us a son is given. It wasn't just anybody's son. And the government will be on his shoulders. Oh, thank God the government ain't on anybody else's shoulders. It's on our Savior, our God's shoulders today. And he will be called. I love it. It's not even like, and you may at some point call him. Maybe, maybe you might find out. No, 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 no. In fact, scripture says that at some point, every knee is going to bow. It's not even that you're going to be forced to. There's going to be a moment on this side or on the other side of heaven where you're going to stand in his glory and realize how good, how big, how great he is. He will be called a wonderful counselor. He's not just given good counsel. He's wonderful at it. <laughs> he's a mighty God. Oh, man, he's our everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. You know what a prince does? A prince has the authority from the king to dictate what happens. He's not just a person of peace. He owns it. He's got the authority over it. And if you're here today and maybe you have not found peace, can I tell you today, can I propose that the Prince of Peace is in the house today? And the reason why these shepherds were flipping out that day was, I don't think it was just because of an angel. I don't think it was just because there was a baby being born. I think we get kind of a glimpse in Luke chapter 2 verse 10 because the angel came to them and said, it's not just another child, but it is the Savior that's showing up on the man. It's the Savior. It's the Messiah. And he's not just anybody. He is the Lord. <sighs> And Jesus has changed my life. And I'm telling you, he wants to change your life. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your color of skin, education background. I don't care what it is. I'm telling you today, the love of God is for you today in the person of Jesus. Would you just believe? Because if you believe, everything's going to change in your life. And I want you to check out this story of a man in our church who God radically changed his life. Check this out.
I'm Travis, uh, Travis Braxton. I've been at City Church for about two years now. Where I was before I, I got into following Christ, my foot was in the church, but I fell into the wrong crowd. I was fortunate. Somebody had to be praying for me to not get hit with a bullet. I was sneaky enough to sell drugs and somehow find a way not to get caught. A lot of things that went on in my life, um, as far as people getting killed and you know violence. And the one that really hit me the most is my brother. A lot of people don't know what it is to see Somebody grew up laying on the ground, dead, and can't get up. You can't see them. You're not gonna be able to see them no more. I thought of retaliation because I knew who it was. But I had to step away from it. I had to pray about it. And I just let God take the way. With the support of my wife and my godly friends that surround in my circle now, and God Himself, um, it kind of it got a little bit easier for me. I didn't have I had like a fatherless home, so I wanted to actually be that father that that's going to be able to provide anything my kids want. I looked at my past lifestyle and I said I didn't want that for my kids as well. So for my wife, my son is six, my daughter's a. 13 year old. Pretty much I'm blessed to have a, a, a great family like I have. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So come to Christ. He'll show you the way, show you true love. All these things that you want in life, He will provide them. Ain't no other way. There is no other way.